Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 222 on Tuesday, the 27th of November, 2018. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be talking about a belting recall for Volkswagen. We'll also be discussing GM retreating further into the future. And we find out why Alan removed his socks, donned his skinny jeans and went to Shoreditch. Depressing that there's actually some truth in that. (laughs) But first, a bit of follow-up. You will remember back, I think, in episode 201, 202, it was announced that Volkswagen were under investigation for the central seatbelt of the new Polo, the Seat Ibiza and the Arona cars because there was a finished test drive that found out that if, due to a bizarre set of circumstances that were not that bizarre really, you could accidentally unclick the seatbelt and it would therefore not be belting people into the seat. Now, Volkswagen were allowed to continue to sell the cars with the proviso they said, please don't have three passengers in the back, which struck us as quite odd at the time. And still continues to strike us as quite odd. (laughs) But they finally come up with an agreed solution that does not involve cable ties. Which was one of, (laughs) allegedly one of those that was proposed. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, uh, as of Monday, owners of the 75,000 Polo, Ibiza's and Arona's should have been starting to be contacted. And their vehicle being brought back in to have the fix that has been agreed with um, the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency. For free? For free, yes. With <laughs> lots of apologies. Yes, yes. Well, that's that's good. I mean, it, it was it was very surreal at the time. And Volkswagen did want it to be a, a voluntary recall as a sort of ongoing update. And all the appropriate governance bodies said, <laughs> no way, folks. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, this is a proper recall. Give over. Yeah, that was that was quite a, uh, from a PR point of view, that was very poorly handled, I feel. Yeah, you'd think they'd have practice at it as well, wouldn't you? Well, you, you, would, you would think they've had lessons in how to control the narrative and come across positively, yes, certainly. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> uh Talking of potentially colossal PR, though, Alan. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, this was still breaking when we recorded last week. It is, of course, the Renault, Nissan, and Mitsubishi have stepped in now. Carlos Ghosn. Is it a scandal yet? I don't know if it's a scandal yet. Fallout the, is what I've best for, I think with. a fallout is the best term. I think that's good. I mean, this was changing, as I say, as we recorded last week. It seems now that one of the things... Is this an allegedly moment? It probably is. Let's throw in a random allegedly there uh, that Carlos Ghosn was trying to uh, was trying to achieve before he uh, before he retired next year uh, was actually to try and have a, a, a merger of Renault and Nissan. Yeah, we did mention this last week that this was one of the suspicions because that was just beginning to sort of come out as we just before we went to record, didn't it? Yeah, about an hour before we recorded, that started to be muttered more and more. That particular rumour, that particular piece of information gathered pace and gathered pace uh, over the next few days. So it's all that that's the case and it looks as if, and there's a certain amount of my own deduction here from having read quite a lot of stuff, that Nissan were then worried that they would be the junior partner in any kind of in any kind of uh, merger like that. Uh, there's a really good uh, one of the four stories or so that will be uh, linked to in this week's show notes. One of them is is a BMW. It's not a BMW sto- story. It's a BBC story, uh, which explains the stakes, the sizes of the stakes uh, in each of the car manufacturers. So. Mitsubishi, for example, is 34% owned by Nissan. Uh, The relevance of this will come out in a little while. Nissan, in turn, is 43% owned by Renault, whereas Renault is only 15% owned by Nissan, uh, and the French state holds about uh, 15 to 17% of Renault as well. So in any kind of merger like this, it's thought that what would happen is, of course, Renault would be the control uh, the controlling stake in all of this. And then, of course, the French state, French government, 
would start to have much more control over Nissan, for example. So it's thought that that the way that those would go together in any form of merger was not seen as a good thing by the Japanese senior management uh, at Nissan. And that may or may not be a trigger as to why all of this kind of stuff happened, why all this happened and why they decided that all of a sudden they were going to have this investigation and they weren't going to tell anyone. And by not telling anyone, that includes not telling the major shareholder of the major shareholder in Nissan, which of course is the French government. So nobody had warned the French government uh, first that this was going to happen. That in turn means that the French minister for finance minister for finance uh says you know come on tell us what these allegations are because none of us really know uh, that's what people have that's what people haven't said uh, there has been no word from carlos Ghosn's uh, side at all in any of this and he is in jail with 30 minutes worth of exercise a day in the same jail as people on japan's death row so the uh the perpetrators of the sarin nerve gas attack on the Tokyo Underground, for example, same place. So I'm sure he's he's not having a great time, no matter how how much foundation that the, these these allegations have. That was that. That was that. That was the other bit I wanted to talk about. What was the third bit that I missed? There was also an excellent article that you found from the Guardian. Yeah, discussing a bit of Japanese business culture type stuff as well just sort of give us a bit of background possible a bit of a bit more understanding perhaps of how how business is done out there how that how they work uh so we in the west because it is it is quite a different culture sometimes in particular yes. areas that how we can understand it better i think yeah so if we don't really have a lunchtime read in the lineup this week if you are a lunchtime read read the guardian article that relates to this story because it was one of the best in fact all four of these articles the auto news one well there's a very short reuters three paragrapher and the bbc article are, are are well worth well worth a look they are detaining carlos going in france for another 10 days uh, the other one that's chipped in is of course mitsubishi controlling state owned by nissan so i'll let you draw your own conclusions there have said have um have said well he can no longer be our chairman either so we're sacking him too renault it's worth mentioning have put in an interim head they are absolutely and totally not sacking him yet they have put in an interim uh, whilst he's unable to perform his his chief executive duties there uh, and we'll see what happens whenever somebody actually says what the allegations are Yes. Right, moving on. Not good news, I'm afraid. Vauxhall at Ellesmere Port, they are going to cut another 241 jobs, which came out in the press before everybody had a chance to Mm -hmm. chat in the plant about it. That sort of has great echoes of the uh, Michelin plant discussion we had last week. And there is now a 45-day consultation period with trade unions and employee mm. representatives to basically they are predicting a uh, where their uh, production costs and production forecasts will be for next year. And they already seen that they need to phase out 241 jobs over that year. It's just another, it's another thing for the poor people at Vauxhall, uh, Ellesmere Port who have been, you know, they're, I can I can understand PSA making these moves. It's just a shame that these workers have clearly been poorly led in the recent to medium yeah. past to be in this position where they are. They they've got you know there's nothing they can do. It, it, they're on borrowed time by the looks of it. I would suggest. Yeah, I mean they they were pretty. <laughs> Okay, they were pretty shafted by GM over the years, I feel, uh, at Ellesmere Port. Mm. Uh, And I think that the ongoing result of that is is probably what's driven this. I mean, uh, PSA Group CEO Carlos Tavares is claiming that the plant must close the cost and quality gap between itself and its European equivalents to survive. Uh, And I'm quoting Lawrence Allen's, yeah. Well, the problem the problem is that they they make a car that nobody's buying. They make a car that, or sorry, less people make are a buying. car that fewer and fewer people are buying uh, in a 
in an environment of uncertainty where you don't know if the price is going to go up, they're going to go down, what's going to happen? And they don't know if there's going to, going to be border tariffs and all these kind of things. Bah! That's all I can say on that. But. Yeah, I just, I just feel so. I feel so sorry for the for the workers there for what's happened to them in the past. That means that this has a sort of a sort of inevitability to a certain degree because they were just, as you said, they're just so poorly, poorly. And, and it has been this way for a long time at Ellsmith Port. I mean, it's it's probably one of the more troubled vehicle manufacturing plants in the UK. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say. Because uh, I mean, they're they're doing that whilst Luton, where they're suggesting some people might be transferred. You know, Ellsbury Port's near near Liverpool. Luton is Bedfordshire. Yeah, it's going to have to be a pretty impressive deal to make that move. You know, hoiking your whole family up and moving it to there, and that again is a van plant, which is in uh, conjunction with which is in conjunction with Renault and Nissan. So. So, you know, it's in conjunction with Renault and they're no PSA owned. So what's going to happen when the next round of um, round of commercial vehicles comes from Renault and Nissan? I'm talking about the fact that they'll merge in with, with, with Daimler on the next, the, next, uh, the next round of commercial vehicles. So are they going to build in Luton? It's unlikely. Uh, we'll see what happens with mm. PSA. Uh, when it comes to, to vans. Yep. So it's all yucky, I'm sorry. It's all very messy. It's all very, very messy. Uh, and then if you throw in the what's happening with Carlos Ghosn and the you know, what's become muttered louder and louder this week, just going back to that previous thing, is is the alliance breaking down, which will be, even though lots of people are quickly coming out like the French government, no, no, we'll all work together really tightly. It's okay. It's, everything's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm. Can't imagine that's the conversation that's going on behind closed doors, but that that adds another dimension to uncertainty mm. when there is already too much uncertainty for people to make to make decisions, uh, sensible decisions, or, or they can only make the best decisions on the information they have, and they're going to have to make an awful lot of best guesses, which doesn't help anyone. And we're sure of that. Yes, <laughs> as we said, we are available for consultancy. <laughs> Tell you what my minimum fees are, that'll put them off. They haven't heard mine yet. <laughs> right, talking of closings. Uh, well, talking about GM and divestment, uh, GM is divesting <laughs> itself of just about everything in order to prepare for the future. Un- unallocating. Unalloc- I know. It's... Let's, sorry, you, you, you explain the story before I start pulling apart the dreadful language. Thing. Oh, it's, it's absolutely horrible. I'm sorry, I... I I can't argue with with Andrew over this uh, in any way, shape, or form. So, GM is invest is investing in the future uh, by investing in the future. What it actually means is it's getting rid of everything. So, unless you're an EV or you're a truck, uh, then GM doesn't want to know about you anymore. Or an autonomous vehicle. Or an autonomous vehicle. Yes. There we go. GM doesn't want to know about you anymore. It is, uh, and it's basically going to be getting rid of you. It's that includes, quote unquote, assembly plants that will be unallocated. In other words, we're going to shut you down. Uh, one in Ontario, one in Detroit, one in Ohio uh, for those vehicle assembly plants, and the Baltimore operations in Maryland and the Warren transmission operations in Michigan. Uh, also going to be unallocated uh, during 2019. It's all up to about 14,000 jobs are going to go. That's from salaried workers. Is that from salaried only? Because it's a... That's 14,000 so salaried workers. 15%. Oh, no, sorry. No, it's 15%. Sorry, it's 15% yeah. of reduction in salaried and salaried contract staff. Yeah. Included in that is twenty five percent fewer executives to streamline decision making. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> Sorry, uh, and uh, overall, it's about fourteen thousand. There's a whole bunch of vehicles that are going to get going to get the axe. Lots of ones that really, you know, it's one of these cases where they say, "Well, you know, traditional saloon cars aren't selling," and there's good reason for that when you don't invest in traditional saloon cars, and therefore. You don't have anything that people actually want to buy. So then it's this amazing thing. Nobody buys rubbishy cars. 
So, but, but I was thinking, I was thinking slightly about this as well. It's, I don't oh. think advertising helps on this. Explain. Because just look at this country. I know GM isn't in this country, but just the, the, from that general point, though, that that people are focusing on SUVs. In this country, we've had car ads banned because they hint at somebody driving quickly. Yeah. And we've had car ads banned when it shows that a driver assistance bit of technology works. Yeah, well, and this is with fewer than 10 complaints in each case here. Yes. this Single single figures. Yeah. Yeah, this is ridic- ridiculously low amount of, th- of complaints. Which is fine that if, if one person spots a flaw, a valid flaw, then that's it. But how do you sell a four-door saloon if you are not saying, actually, this is fun and better to drive? Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, the... the you know, I, I'm not. So the authorities are making it harder, yeah, and to have these vehicles, and yet they go out and complain that, oh, look at that, we've got poor MPGs, we've got poor emissions, etc., etc. Poor et emissions, and then, and the, you know, first time in four years, the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere has gone up. I saw in a, another news story today, which isn't wasn't really automotive enough to include, but you know, the amount of CO2 has gone up. Well, of course it is because you're making everybody shift. On a number of different dimensions, away from away from you know what a fuel which gives off less CO two, but then that's that's causing this shift. Um, so yeah, lots of bits and pieces there. I mean, the Chevy Cruze, CT six, Buick LaCrosse, none of these things really matter to us. But it's worth mentioning that that General Motors is essentially going scaling back when other uh, automotive manufacturers are expanding and building new plants they they have only gone backwards with their new ceo in place they have only gone backwards which maybe that was the brief that she had when she came into place maybe that's when she's looked at it she's gone we are so overstretched we we are we are not viable if there is a if there is a downturn we are in big big trouble and and governments won't bail us out again and that's i mean and that's a valid that's a valid reason, but you've got to be sure that that works. And if that's the case, then she is absolutely doing her job down to a tip yeah. perfectly, which made made the markets very happy because their price went up. Uh, but the stock markets. But the stock markets a silly game. It's a, it's a pathetic silly game. Um, you know, the, but that's just to show. I wasn't saying it from a well-done point of view, but it was just to show that some people liked this news. Ryan Felton, who wrote this Jalopnik article that we are that will be in the show notes, he is not holding back in this. No. <laughs> he is pulling apart, quite rightly, how this has been put across, as though this is a glorious and wonderful thing, mm-hmm. which is the tone that's been made. It's made like, a, oh, well, it doesn't matter. And it's very heartless, the language that's being used. Yeah, it, in in GM's thing, considering these are people's livelihoods, these are these are towns and cities that are now going to have problems. My bet that no, is that nobody in GM actually wrote these that wrote those words. No, somebody will have had to sign them off. No, it won't even be there. It'll be a consultancy somewhere. Who who'll be making an absolute packet out of it? By the way, <laughs> yes, they will. But the thing that I think so many of the commentators on this because in america the the business papers oh what a great positive step is being made here she's got she's got a finger on the pulse gm are in control to me this is preparing for a recession it's prepare yeah i don't know i'm not that i'm not able i'm not prepared to be that specific about it mate okay well i'll just go out on that limb i don't mind yeah that's fair enough but I, I think this is this is definite preparation for a downturn in the economy. There is that, or it's a case of focus on the core, what we're really good at, and then we can look at expanding again. But <laughs> electric vehicles and autonomous. <laughs> you laugh at that, and that's not. I do. don't because, in fact, and you know, you're sitting there, and you're. you're GM actually have proven themselves to be really quite good at electric vehicles. The Volt, which is about to die, sadly, was, you know, a real uh, Chevy Volt, which was the Vauxhall Ampera as well, was a real game changer. And do you know, those have really held their value used 
because the people who bought them loved them so much there aren't really that many on the market. I am I am not dissing the technology. I am not dissing the technology. I am dissing their handling of it. Oh. I am dissing their ability to deal with the product, which they seem to prove General Motors, time and time again, again. Yeah. that they, despite themselves, they are still in business. As well as that, just I'm going to finish off this point, um, all these points. Uh, you know, there's that, there's the Bolt EV again, uh, which is unbelievable that it's not sold, being sold more widely in Europe, but hey, that was their decision. <laughs> um, you know, a small ha- a small electric hatchback with a really quite, with a very good range. Why would you why would you not want to sell more of those in Europe? And the other one is actually the autonomous uh, stuff, which uh, I hate the term almost as much as Andrew, and I don't maybe don't express that as often, but the I've forgotten the name of it. The Cadillac cruise, the Cadillac, the cruise, cruise control stuff. setup, uh, which I think it's called cruise. Is it called cruise? Is has a their driver assistance package. Yes, the driver mean. assistance package has a fantastic reputation as being amongst the best, and it's got things like geofencing yes. and all sorts of good stuff for safety as well. So, you know, they are actually pretty good at that stuff. As Andrew says, despite themselves. They've got great engineers. They've got great product designers. They've got great imagination somewhere squirreled away. It's just the top 50 layers of that company seem to do everything they can to ruin it. But it's 25% less now, so there's uh, what? It's now yeah, you get, it's going to be from the top execs, is it? Yeah, my, my <laughs> bottom. It never is. Yes, exactly. Almost never is. <laughs> and I've seen quite a few of these things. Quite. Exactly. Right. Anyway, sorry. We, well, I have ranted enough. You have, whereas I have been a voice of reason. Ish. Yes, you have. Right. Moving on, though. The government has finally released an independent report into the 20 mile an hour speed limits that have been set up on roads in recent years. Now, this was to investigate their effectiveness and see whether they made a difference in terms of accidents, casualties, do do people change their driving habits? Are people in favour of them? All this sort of stuff. And we'll have links in the show notes that there's there's two reports that you can read through at your leisure, if you so wish. But the, the headlines There is there is also a there is also a four paragraph summary, which is which is more in my world. Yes, this is definitely more in mine as well, I've got to say. Uh, that twenty mile an hour limits are supported by the majority of residents and drivers. So that's people, mm-hmm. then. I'm taking that. But I'd love to see how that question was framed. I don't care about the 20 mile an hour limit, but uh, I don't live anywhere nearby and I don't drive. So it's Yeah. Now, it, this, this is where it starts to get a bit interesting. There has been a small reduction in the average, brackets median, speed of less than one mile an hour. <laughs> so people don't bother paying attention to them, really, is what we're saying. However, where it has changed a bit more is people who drive faster than the 30 mile an hour uh, before the 20 mile an hour was introduced have reduced their speed more than those who were perhaps doing lower speed. So what we're saying is people are no longer doing 40 in a 20, they're maybe doing 30. So they've reduced by 10 mile an hour as opposed to people who've reduced by two or three miles. Yeah, which is kind of what happens. I noticed because I got caught in the 20 mile an hour zone in north london the other night on my way out driving out and it was when the roads are 30 mile an hour roads and it's very and there isn't much traffic in fact it's practically no traffic it is very difficult to drive at 20 miles an hour i'm not saying this well 20 mile an hour as well doesn't sit in the gear range no for anything no, it doesn't that's the trouble you're too you're... low for third you're too high for second typically mm-hmm. that it's not comfortable to be at that speed yeah. that's not that's not having uh, saying that the twenty mile an hour is a, is a bad idea. No, no, ab- just absolutely. Doesn't, with with the current gearing of engines, mm-hmm. and historically, it just it's very difficult. This is taken from twelve case studies, by the way, from a variety of area types, route types, and scale, according to this summary. And the outcome was, Andrew, there has not been enough evidence to conclude that there has been a significant change in collisions and casualties. <laughs> Which is part of the reason they were brought in. Yeah. However, we did mention this. There was an investigation into an area in, or a couple of areas in Bristol, mm-hmm. and it found out that actually more people were being hit 
in the 20 mile an hour zones. Yeah. Again, because you and I have dealt with enough of these type of things, not enough evidence to conclude there's been significant change in collisions and casualties. But does that is that because they were only looking for reductions and they didn't look at has it gone up? Yeah. And we're reporting, you know, it's the wording here. And on the other hand, it's interesting to see one of these things with a result like that being published. So I'm surprised that they've released anything on this. I really am, and I think it's a good thing. So I, I, I well, you think it's good that they released it? Yes, that they, that they followed it up. They did that. They didn't just chuck them in and go, "Oh well, we've done that bit. That's fine. Let's move on to the next thing." Yeah, absolutely. No, interesting one that. Uh, another new scheme coming along is that the Department of Transport is intending on investing £100,000, setting up a new police unit to analyse dash cam footage and other video evidence submitted by the public. This sounds draconianly, draconianly, sort of slightly 1984-ish, everybody's watching everybody else. East German, North North Korea, these kind of places. Oh, what, you mean like China, where yeah. they now mark people on citizen scores? Yeah. Because they use data following you. Oh, you crossed that zebra crossing when you shouldn't have. We take some points off you. Now your children can't go to that doctor. They have to go to this yes. doctor. Thank you, Andrew. I mean, that's a, a journey we do. That's good. I'm just painting out a Black Mirror episode for you. You are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you've now completely thrown me off my trail now. But that's not the. But that's this hundred thousand though is not just in the dash cam. I don't think. I think it's in a raft of fifty measures. Well, it is. This is new units. One of fifty measures announced as part of a two-year action plan to improve road safety. That's possibly not going to include many more twenty-mile-an-hour zones. Uh, no, it is. <laughs> They're going to evaluate whether they need to widen them. It's, like, uh, it's okay, we can help you that with one. that one. And it won't cost you 100000 Read this report. <laughs> Here's a link. But this is all about written. making making the road safer for vulnerable road users, such as cyclists and pedestrians. Anybody who tells me a London cyclist is a vulnerable road user, I will kick them in the parts of London cyclists that I would like to kick. And I say this as someone who cycles, okay? Well, this this is tied in with that. You could get cheaper insurance if you go on a cycle awareness as a as a driver, as a doing a cycle awareness test oh, right. or a, a lesson, that you know you basically you're going to be told or reminded. I'm I'm guessing you need to be a signal maneuver. So many so many meters away from them when you overtake. Don't go in a don't park in a cycle lane for crying out loud. That's just stupid. You know, pay attention to them. You, you mean you mean like a decentish driver does? Yeah, you know, like a like a somebody who is paying attention to other road users. Yeah. And I barely count myself within that category, by the way. But uh, hmm. but yeah, yeah, it's just nuts. Uh, it's worth mentioning that you won't be able to just randomly send in pictures of people and cars. Uh, everything does have to will have to be clear uh, and accompanied by a wi- a witness statement to prevent spiteful. Uh, allegations it's so you can't just go look look at this look look at this you do it well anonymously you will actually have to you know have some kind of online witness statement uh, which will be a proper legally thing i'd like to feel there are at least some catches in there to stop too much ridiculousness going i'm hoping that people can't are not going to be allowed to edit their film too much well i would hope not but I think that that will be caught, caught up in there because because when this when this came up, I've I've mentioned dash cams uh, recently because I've I've noticed a few round our way, particularly if they've got front and back. I'm using that as a red flag to go. This is a driver I need to be really aware of because they're about to pull a crazy Ivan or something. Not like always. It. I think that's that. No, 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 no. And and this... it's not as big as a war- a bigger warning as as certain other stickers. And symbols that they could have on the back of their car, to me. No, but it's it's one that makes me go, right, just keep an eye, just in case. There are incredibly good reasons to fit dash cams front and back. Mm-hmm. As was pointed out to me on Twitter over the weekend when discussing this. Yes. In actually, I have to say, was a fantastically respectful and good Twitter conversation I had with many people. Thank you very much for reminding me that Twitter can... We can have discussions without screaming at each other and somebody calling someone else a Nazi and that's it, the, the conversation. Shut up, <laughs> I don't no, but believe it was nice. You. 
It was nice. Uh, because if you are, you know, these have been used to show when people have made false claims against drivers. They have been used to show dangerous driving or accidents for other people and things like that. And they are they are very good. It's just making sure that this doesn't become, this sort of idea doesn't then move on into this, I know it's tinfoil hatty area, but doesn't mm-hmm. become a compulsory thing suddenly. And we're having it, to download it every day to a central database and all that nonsense. The re- so I have, I do own a dash cam. I don't have it fitted to my cars. I haven't had it fitted for a while. I bought it when I was doing quite a bit of driving into in towards the in towards Canary Wharf in towards the East End of London, uh, and I just felt that sometimes many of the motorcycles, uh, uh, occasionally other cars, but most motorcycle stuff were awfully awfully close, and I wasn't that comfy with the way that they were behaving. So I just wanted something in case of in case something happened which could which was a, a backup of, of that. I haven't put, done it. I have never refitted it because I've not been in the same situation going out of London as, as often. And as well as that, I had problems. I had problems where <laughs> I kept forgetting to turn it off, basically, and take it out of my windscreen. And that became more of a hazard to me than somebody bashing into the side of my car. So I ended up removing it from mine. So, you know, there's there's a balance there, and that's that's why... They can't make them compulsory. There's all sorts of issues if you make them compulsory. That's yes, hopefully there are. Yes. Hopefully there are enough. Should we move on from this story? Happen. Yes, because we've talked for quite a long we time. We have. And so That's we... Right. I, mean, I thought it was going to be a quick episode today, but it's not. It's turned into a good I one. I looked at the thing and I knew it wasn't going to be a quick episode, which is why we moved the... Otherwise, we would be sometime about 11 o'clock tonight, finally be getting to Guilt Minute. And yes, it is Guilt Minute, that point of the show, where we remind you to think about... And consider what the Motoring Podcast is worth to you. Uh, If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button on the front page uh, to find out what you can get in return for giving us a little bit of your cash. If you're already a patron, then thank you so very much. Uh, As I say, every week, not everyone has the ability to do this. Uh, We appreciate that. Uh, so please don't forget to support us by liking, rating, leaving feedback on the podcast playing platform of your choice. Uh, if, of course, you've done all that, you are wonderful. Why not tell a mate, accost them, pinch their phone, subscribe them via that. If you don't subscribe to the show already, then why not? It's a good way to make sure you get the latest episode uh, pretty much as soon as Andrew has uploaded it. Uh, and if you need any advice on that, if you need any advice on podcast players, any of these kind of things, do do get in touch. We've done a little bit of research into it uh, and can help you out. That was yep. about a minute. That's Excellent. Really only about a minute. It's not bad. And I hope everybody feels guilty who, who needs to. Everybody who needs to. <laughs> yes, yes. It is also Giving Tuesday today. And I know that this time of the year is full of Black Fridays, Cyber Mondays and all sorts of guff. Uh, but uh, I know it'll be Wednesday morning before any of you hear this, but it, just because today's Giving Tuesday doesn't mean tomorrow is forget about it all Wednesday. So it might be a good idea to <laughs> give a small donation to charity, perhaps, instead of us this week, and maybe save ours yes. until next week. So uh, people like Mission Motorsport uh, out there, they're mm-hmm. very good. Um, they are a fantastic charity. Spinal Track as well. Spinal Track. You've another. already given to Mission Motorsport. Spinal Track is another. Pick a good charity. Give them some money. Please. Yep. On their behalf. Yep. Sorry. There we go. Now I did guilt minute and then it was like, oh, maybe people should give money to other people, not us this month. I should have thought about that before. Yes, we're great salesmen. Again, we're open for consultancy fees. <laughs> I just feel that we have to do our bit for the... No, it's absolutely right because it's 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 organisations we support in the way that we can. Yeah. And we do like them and we like what they're trying to do. So yes, absolutely, Alan. No, I'm I'm mocking, but in a in a friendly way for a change, right. instead of just mocking. Stop it and talk about MOT. Forget MOT emissions. Talking of hot air, <laughs> the new MOT emission test that came in in I think it was on May the twentieth, twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. If yes, it is. A motoring research article states that yes was basically to cover smoky exhaust or if people had or one of the changes they made, or if people had fiddled with the diesel particulate filters. 
Now, if any smoke of if if smoke of any color was seen from the exhaust, or there was evidence that the DPF had been tampered with, that was automatically a major fault and therefore a fail. I think that's fantastic. As a result, by the way. Well, absolutely, yeah. I I've seen well, not seen, but I I'm in a non-analytical manner. I'm confident there's been a reduction in smoky vehicles. I'm not yet, but there will be after a year. Yeah, by by May the twentieth. But what's happened is there's almost a double in failures since that's come in, mm-hmm. which can which can only be a good thing. It, it has to be a good thing for all. Diesel of us. van emission test fails rocketed by a staggering four hundred and forty eight percent. There's mm. still a few out there. I mean, there was one shocker on the outskirts of uh, Milton Keynes last week. It was absolutely stinking. But it's less and less. I'm seeing lots of crud being removed from our roads and I'm really pleased about that but that's going to really stand out to the police as well if they see a smoky exhaust they're going to go "Mm, let's just double check that you've got an MOT Mm -hmm. have you got insurance do you actually have a driving license you know all the things that sort of seem to be on the checklist quite rightly that one little indicator will um, will will push or possibly hopefully get more vehicles off the road that are not fit to be on the Mm -hmm. road so this is a good thing. I, I like this. Uh, so do I, actually. My, my uh, car goes in for an MOT soon, but I may not like it then. <laughs> do, do you know that we actually forked out for a new catalytic converter in Johnny the Yaris before the MOT, just in case? I think that was a wise decision. Yeah, we're not really sure that there was much left of the old one. So, so yes, yeah, so <laughs> a replacement catalytic converter went in. Um, and he cruised it. That was great. It was like, yeah. yeah, I was so worried. Just because of all of this stuff. You know, yeah, because it's the first time through it. You don't know what you, what to expect, do we? No, no, not at all. So yes, right. Should we talk about the future of autonomous vehicles, Andrew? Yes, let's hand it over to our Scottish, Scottish correspondent, uh, so I can put on mute and swear at the headline of this article. I cannot work. So the, the what what makes me laugh is that it says first driverless Edinburgh to Fife bus trial announced. The irony being, of course, it's stagecoach that are involved and not first group in there at all. And the second one is that it's only driverless when it's going to Fife and not to Edinburgh as well. Sorry, I will stop being so juvenile and anti-Fife in a moment or two. It's such a non-story, really. But the uh, stagecoach... So that's why we thought it worth you including it. Yeah, stagecoach transport Scotland... <laughs> Alexander Dennis, uh, companies called Fusion Processing and ESP Group, whom I don't know, are gathering together on this to 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 run this this trial that goes uh, from the Fourth Bridge to uh, the Edinburgh Park train and tram interchange. Um, it's trying to basically lessen the number of vehicles crossing cross lessen the number of private cars crossing uh, the Fourth uh, every day. Naturally, of course, the autonomy is limited. They'll be driving a set route. They have uh, they have a safety person, um, a safety operator there, uh, essentially a driver to all intents and purposes. For legal purposes. So, and safety purposes. Uh, so let's see how long this goes before before they, they, they stop touting it and how much of a headline it was. Well, I think what's going to happen now in this country is we're going to go through the same cycle that the US did last year mm. with the repeated, this is a driverless vehicle, even though they've got drivers. Nonsense. Do you want to know another favourite that I have? It says the pilot oh, will please. include a fleet of five autonomous single-decker buses. In the photograph, there are six single-decker buses. But there, there is one actually interesting point here, and this is an area that I think autonomous or i'm convinced autonomous vehicles will be used uh, first and they will be used for much longer before they go onto the public roads which is these will be fully unmanned inside the depot when they were carrying out movements including parking and moving to the fueling station and bus wash which is if you're going to automate any process of this is the perfect place because you can control that environment yeah that can be a there are no pedestrians no human-driven vehicles in this area. This is purely autonomous vehicles, only in this section. But what's really interesting is that that itself is a small microsystem uh, reflecting reality within there because there are going to be other vehicles moving. There may occasionally be people. 
Uh, there's going to be lots of bits and pieces going on there within that that sort of pseudo safe space. I question if there will. It's it'll be interesting. Uh, well, it it depends on how big it is. I, I would like to see how they execute on it. But if you make these, if you make these AV only areas, mm. then they're there today type thing, and all they've got to do is spot that some random unrecognized item is suddenly in their path. Mm. Unrecognized object in the bagging area. Yeah, yeah, basically. Because uh, other than that, they know there won't be any humans. They know there won't be any other vehicles except for the ones that are already they're communicating with on this route in this area so it's easy for them to do that and it makes sense in an industrial an industrial setting to remove the driver and just let the vehicles do this thing will save time it'll save fuel it'll save employing someone to do might almost be safer yes it will Mm -hmm. so yeah let's see what happens with that i'd be interesting to see if we ever hear any more about it no no says andrew See this head <laughs> shaking madly. Well, I, I sadly I agree with you. A bit of Formula E news. Uh, the next season, and this is big news on a number of levels, is that Formula E and all the races will be coming to the BBC. We knew that, but they've now released a calendar telling us how we can watch it as well. But but it is brilliant that we can get it on the BBC. I don't know if I was clear enough when this when this it's... came out last time. That because you were you were and the more I thought about it, the point you were making was there's going to be live motorsport on the BBC again. Yes. Did we think that was ever going to happen? No. <laughs> and that that's fabulous. It's worth mentioning that it will be on BBC Red Button, Connected TV, BBC Sport website, the mobile app, and the BBC iPlayer. So you're not going to get uh, Saturday afternoon grandstand showing Formula E, which is a shame. But on the other hand, it is accessible. It will be rewatchable, uh, which is important for those of us who, you know, quite often end up doing stuff on Saturdays. Yes. There will, of course, be a link in the show notes with all the dates. It's Saudi Arabia, Morocco, Chile, Mexico, China, China again, uh, Italy, France, Monaco, Germany, Switzerland, and two rounds in the USA. Curious that they're going back to China, not just, oh, it's uh, Hong Kong, pardon me, and then Sanya, wherever that may be. Curious that they're going back to China proper uh, again, because of course the very first round of very first ever Formula E race was in China, and that held all sorts of fun challenges for the teams and sponsors. But now, I think with the single vehicle per race, will open them up to more traditional tracks. If that's a route they want to go down, I don't know. It is because then the speeds get too high, and then you need helicopters medical facilities and all sorts of stuff and that's the main reason why formula e speeds are limited okay because i i mean i like the intimacy of the the city yeah. tracks myself uh, not not appreciating the safety side of things but i i really like the intimacy of it and the and and the way it, it caused nothing but close racing agreed and i certainly know that that the the strategy up until not hugely long ago I don't know if it's still the same, but the strategy as I understood it near the beginning by this stage was still that it would be, the idea was to get that close racing, uh, not necessarily the most ridiculous speeds in the world because there just wasn't the space for, you know, all the medical stuff and and just the level of barrier and all these kind of things which you have to put up to keep stuff in the middle of, of, of towns and cities. But if it's good racing, you don't need it to be super fast. I don't care. Yeah, I know. People go, oh, it's not very fast, is it? But you look at Formula One and they're super fast. Is the yeah, racing no. exciting? No, no, because no. It, and that's... only if you really nerd down and get very, very technical about. Oh well, he pulled this manoeuvre in the pit, so it meant that he did this, and you're sort of going, shouldn't the race be on the track? Formula E will stay interesting as long as it stays away from any tilkadromes, <laughs> which is what's happened with Formula One. No, oh, it's another semi racetrack that's super wide and that there's no, you know, because of the speeds then there's no obstacles in the runoff areas. So we've got these great big runoff areas. People just drive over them anyway. Mm. And, oh, it's down to penalties and all sorts of fun stuff like that. But that's not the only TV news for the UK. We are lucky enough that Quest TV will also be showing oh, yes, the races. Sorry. So we can... So it, it's going to be a bit convoluted, but if you can get Quest TV, you can watch it on your telly. For live. 
for the live. No, they'll be showing a full highlights package of every single race. That's not the same as showing the race. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought it was... Uh... So Quest TV will have highlights. Okay, so Quest TV got the highlights. BBC have got it live, but via connected services. Mm-hmm. So if you've got uh, a gaming console and you have the iPlayer, you can watch it. If you've got a connected, if you've got a connected TV, you can watch it via the red button. Can I backtrack on what I just said? The announcement then goes on to say you will be able to watch both the highlights and live races on Quest or on Quest OD. So my apologies. And that's also on top of YouTube UK going to live stream it with a couple of YouTubers, YouTubers who I don't really know. Okay. Except for one was in a boxing match, I think. No idea. But I'm not sure. But that's beyond my knowledge at that point because uh, I'm old. Ditto. <laughs> List of the week then, Andrew. List of the week. And this time it's from Evo. And the best British cars from past and present, actually, which is a bit of an interesting... Which is a little bit of a twist on the usual best of British, but it's to do with sports and performance cars. It is. And... If we they start with the top five new cars, and there are ones in there that you would expect to be fair, mm-hmm. the like the McLaren uh, six hundred, mm-hmm. which sounds absolutely lovely as a vehicle. To be fair to it, <laughs> you spent your whole when that came out. You spent your whole time. Oh, it's a supercar. It's not really interesting to people like me. I don't get well, it. Well, no, I mean it, it, they are beyond my grasp typically because there's no point looking at these things that I'm not going to have is there can't fit three children on the back of them why do I want it well then no that's become after the last week that's become much more much more attractive (laughs) fair enough Uh, there's also the uh, I'm not going to run through the full list here but there's the Jaguar XE Project 8 and the current Lotus Elise just... So there's one he missed out, everyone. There's one he missed out. There's two I've missed. But then they go back to classic cars from the... But they are picking from Evo's era here. So they haven't gone back to the mists of time to pick all of them. So, uh, again, there's... I mean, the first car that I really want to try, the first car on their list of that. Really, really... Well, actually, and the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and the fifth one. It's quite a good little list there. They've made a list of 10 cars I really, really want to drive, please. Yeah, yeah. There's no padding in there. Well, when there's five, only five in each, there's, there's really no room for padding. No. So go and have a look at that list. It is a, a, an excellent one, and I am, I'm very impressed. They've got the Lotus picture there, you see. That Lotus picture at the top? Yeah. Funny you should talk about that, because that came up. That exact same picture was used at a... Evening I was at on Thursday last week. Oh, were you somewhere on Thursday? I was somewhere on Thursday, yes. yes. Did it involve skinny trousers, no socks? Uh, It didn't didn't in my case, because it involved driving (laughs) from Southampton to London and then... Okay, maybe the shoes were a little bit... So, so they were were maybe slightly trendy. Uh, So, no, uh, I had a whole bunch of other people invited along by Influx. So, Influx is the... Media arm? Content. Content arm of Adrian Flux, the Norfolk-based insurance company who specialised in classic and configured uh, cars and bikes. I, over the years, have paid Adrian Flux quite a lot of money uh, and never really claimed any back. So the idea of wandering along for a small drinky, some nibbles. And, well, I didn't really know what else was going to be there. Uh, and it turned out what they had was they had a couple of car designers giving a wee bit of a talk and a bit of a question and answer uh, session. And so the two people who were speaking was a chap called Sam Livingston of Car Design Research. Um, and he gave a really good talk. It's the kind of thing that I really wish Andrew had been there for. And it was all about reading car design and how subconsciously we decide what a vehicle is going to be like from a long way off and going through... It's quite interesting him going through the order in which we recognise these things, uh, and in which we 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 see we see and understand cars, uh, and that was great. And the second person who was speaking was a chap called Julian Thompson. Now, hopefully, hopefully, listeners, you have heard of Julian Thompson. 
He is a card designer. He is one of the senior design folks. He's the sort of unlauded, quieter one who works certainly with Ian Callum, who hired him uh, to join JLR, and also <laughs> Jerry McGovern. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to think of how to say that properly? Yes. <laughs> So Julian Thompson is the guy that actually designed the Evoke before uh, Jerry McGovern joined uh, JLR. Uh, he, but what he's really credited with uh, is not the last generation of Escort, which was the very first car that he worked on. Uh, it was, it's actually the original Lotus Elise, one of the vehicles that Andrew hinted that he would really, really like to drive on that. And he was doing a bit of a, he did a bit of a, uh, a bit of a rear view, really. How dare he? I know. And it was so... I and mean, both of them were so, so interesting. Uh, it was great. I, I Instagrammy tweeted a few pictures uh, from there. There's something that was six or seven, really. Yes, I saw it and I was gutted because mm. then I saw other people that were there and, and was on their feeds. I was absolutely gutted I couldn't be there, actually. There were lots of lovely people there uh, as well. Many people from the Twitters and listeners and stuff uh, and eminent journalisty people. Uh, if you do want to see the pictures, then, of course, uh, you you can go to, and this is a good one, this, you can either go to Instagram.com slash motoringpodcast or motoringpodcast.com slash Instagram to reach the... <laughs> and the search and I, I, I did actually check. I thought, well, does this work both ways? So it doesn't matter which way. It's like one slash the other, and you'll get to our, our Instagram feed. Do subscribe uh, and like. Yo. Uh, but no, it was a no, really seriously, great evening. You do put up interesting photos on there. I do. I do try. I do try to get a mix of everything. Uh, there's been a bit of a sort of memories of Rockingham uh, this week. Uh, there's been that. It's a sad week. From that sad week. Uh, to a be lot, fair. Yeah, lots of bits and pieces from uh, Racer, uh, Racer Remembrance. Uh, loads of Roman cars. Yes, stop pimping your own Instagram feed out. But... It was a really, really interesting evening. It was the launch of launched a calendar. It's a lovely calendar. I've got a calendar and a couple of books each. As well as, you know, it's me getting my own back here. You know, a, a diet Pepsi and two glasses of apple juice. Really, I was pushing it uh, when I was there. But no, it was, it was a really nice evening. Thank you to Damien Cross for inviting both of us uh, and, and for arranging. Yes, thank you very much. That was, a, that was very lovely to get that invite. Uh, and like I said, it, was a, it looked... From a distance, it looked a really fab night because of of what they put on and the people that were that went. Yeah, it was. There was so much more. I wish I could have shared with you. I, I wish I could somehow have recorded and and, and put it out or or something because it was so interesting. Uh, but that would have been just grabbing somebody else's content, and that's not really on. Um, yeah, really nice. Now what it looked you. like to me, it looked like to me what a perfect motoring podcast live event would have been like there'd have been some rear view there'd be some motoring podcast bits where we'd have taken people through i don't know some color-coded spreadsheets there'd have been some beers that no spreadsheets <laughs> there'd have been some interesting no people to make up for you and me <laughs> it was it was absolutely cracking um it was it was just a really nice evening excellent well i'm glad you went to that and had mm. a good time so was so was i it had quite a long day and it was a bit uh... But uh, no, I'm so glad I went. It was really good. Cool. And thanks to everyone else who was there, by the way. I'm not going to give you a name check in case I forget one of you or more. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not normal policy. It's just our own incompetence. I mean, poor Alex Guy is sick of the sight of me at the minute. Yeah, but you didn't hug him up. You didn't hug him when he had a monster hangover. You know, no, I didn't. I, I, that was a bit poor. But of me on the plus that, side, yeah. this time, this time I wasn't wearing a high vis jacket when he had a monster hangover. So you can decide how which way. No, that okay, goes. yeah. So he wasn't blinded. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Right, moving on to the end. Finally, oh, have you seen, by the way, the po- the picture that they keep sharing and is published in all the magazines uh, with yes. of, of the team driving the Mission Motorsport MX Five from Race of Remembrance. Yeah. There's some spanner in the background Instagramming pictures from the grid in a high-vis jacket. <laughs> <sighs> so, no, what you've done there is you've made sure that you are visible. It's so Im- I'm so embarrassed. Oh, yeah. See, we're always there. We are. Ubiquite, like the Royal Artillery. <laughs> right, moving on to the end, finally. 
Uh, Johnny Smith, Tom Ford and Tim Glover are making a new TV show where they are purchasing older cars. Well, they have purchased older cars. Yeah, but no, I'm t- trying to explain the concept of the, oh, right, the programme. Yes, this has already happened. But the concept of the show is they buy old cars, they bring them back to the workshop, and they fix them up, stroke resto mod them to a point where they're happy to sell them on. Now, on the 2nd of December... That's Sunday. Correct. So this Sunday, from 9 o'clock in the morning, there is the ability to view the cars, because they're all going to be sold in one, one go at an auction... Starting the bidding will start at ten o'clock and finish at three. I think if I've read the yeah, information like correctly. Day, but yeah. Well, I don't know what else is going on there. But uh, well, I presume there's going to have to be filming after each of these mm-hmm. are sold on as well. So that'll probably be part of it. But if you are interested in getting involved in this, there will be a link in the show note to contact a very nice lady to find out how you can go along to this auction and be part of it, either to just watch or to actually uh, bid and buy some cars from these three that uh, that look really interesting. They've got, they've got some... They're not... We're not talking like a, an Austin Healey 3000 or anything like that. We're talking usable classic cars. As you would expect from, you know, you follow... You, if you follow Johnny Smith, if you follow Tom Ford, you know the sort of vehicles they like and they're interested in. So it's that sort of stuff. So it's attainable, usable stuff. So go and have uh, a, a look through the, the the link. There's going to be a link to Johnny Smith making the announcement so you can get all the information. And uh, I think that's the best way to do it because I don't Which want to link put the you... link to the email. No, do you I'm want to have no, Johnny no, Smith's tweet. I'm going to have what? Johnny Smith's tweet. Or you could link Not to the news press. Or you could link to you might need to cut that. Uh, or you could link to stanfordcarauction.com where all oh, the information there? is in one place. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Including right, I'll, the I'll, nice lady that you need to call or email. Great, excellent. I'll make sure that's on then as well. So you can you can watch Johnny and then have the link to go straight there. And yes, the location and the cars and the timings and everything, including the Instagram account. Yes. And if you go, do do shout out, please, because I'd like to see how this evolves. Uh, I'm giving serious consideration to it. For it you is mean just you're not in already, You're not already going. Uh, I was... I mean, and I, and then people have said, you really should go, including a certain Mr. Ford. Yes, you really should go, Alan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Please. Because then we can have follow-up that will be slightly happy next well, week. Okay. Yeah, well, that would be good. Because <laughs> follow-up lately has not been of the cheerful variety. <laughs> no, it has been mostly doom and gloom. Anyway, shall we finish off, Mr. Close? Yes. Because that was our end, finally, believe it or not. And we have waffled a lot tonight. Oh, God, this is a long episode. Yeah. Uh, parish notes rear view on Friday hoping pending, pending the amount of time you've got for editing because there are some audio glitches yes I really hope it comes out okay uh, there was a special edition out last Friday about a Suzuki off-roader that is not a Jimny so if you are Jimny sick <laughs> Just remind yourselves that Suzuki also make the Vitara. Andrew has driven a Vitara. He has fitted, tried to fit uh, inflatable watermelons in the back of it. There is a very nice picture that associate the the, the companies, uh, the podcast. So Suzuki Vitara is there. Andrew was also on a podcast talking about podcasts. So if you want to know some of the nerdism and what gear Andrew uses, no, nothing about what I use, but what Andrew uses. Then it's all about. I mentioned Andrew. you. I mentioned you. I get, you did squeeze me in a couple of times. Thank you. Uh, and the, then, then do. Uh, I tweeted it, didn't I? Yep. Um, There's also a little bit of back history about how Merchant Podcast happened. Yes. In the first place and things like that as well. So there'll be a link in the show notes if you really want to listen without clicking the show notes. Pester Andrew for the link. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a video version too if you fancy watching him. And his happy smiley face. I was. Mm-hmm. You was. I'm only being half sarcastic. Uh, so, if there's nothing else I've missed, no, we shall round up in the usual fashion. 
which is reminding you that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the herb of all our activities. Uh, don't forget about Patreon. Uh, go to motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really, really does matter, especially as there's some odd, odd things going on with RSS feeds and Apple Podcast rankings at the minute. <laughs> yes. Andrew, best way to get in touch with you to ask about how they can listen to another hour and 20 minutes of you. Now, the best way to do that is to search for me on Twitter for Crack Windscreen, and you'll find me there wallowing on the back of a Subaru's bumper. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and find out uh, any more of the uh, goss and details of your Shoreditch hipsterness, what are the best ways for them to do that? Well, you just need to look at my awfully hip Twitter profile picture uh, where I'm wearing a pair of mirror reflective sunglasses thoughtfully provided by Skoda uh, on the the mirror on the inside though yeah yeah it's (laughs) uh, they might as well be for all I can see through them Uh, on the Geneva Motor Show stand where I am at AJP Bradley Uh, I'm not sure if that made any sense whatsoever this week however we'll be back next week Uh, until then I've been Alan Bradley I've been Andrew Clues and safe motoring.